0: Come on, it's a joy. Give the Lord a mighty shout. It's so open and easy when you come here to minister. I walked into the building, and I, I was actually in the car driving here. And when I got to the building, it just increased. Just that sense that the joy of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit has joy, and He takes delight and pleasure in us. And it was kind of one of those, I'm going to get drunk in the spirit and it's going to be the joy of the Lord. But it was more than that. It was like this deep, like, wow, the Father is pleased tonight. He's rejoicing over us tonight. And because he's good and generous, he's going to bring healing and miracles and impartation and lots of anointing and fire. And uh, we just want more of that, don't we? I don't know about you, but I want more of that. Is this my, like, giant apron or prayer cloth? Is that? Yeah, Pass me the one that I have. I I got a special. Uh, is it here already somewhere? There it is. I got a special uh, uh, prayer cloth here. And uh, what makes this prayer cloth special is uh, the anointing. <laughs> and, I mean, we've anointed this and prayed for about 10,000 people, maybe more. And so it's been a part of a lot of revivals. Especially, you know, last year I was in South Africa and we had a great revival there for about three months. And and we prayed for literally 127,000 people in the first 39 days. And uh, during that revival, I got this apron, this prayer cloth that I had given to me as a gift. And we just put it on the altar and anointed it with oil and just said, Lord, we thank you that. God did unusual, special, extraordinary miracles um, by the hands of Paul so that even aprons and handkerchiefs were brought from his body. That promise in Acts 19.11, people got set free and delivered, and I thought, well, God, I believe that happens today. I've seen that happen today. And, uh, but this prayer cloth was special because it was given to me by a woman in California that attended an A.A. Allen revival. And she was given this prayer cloth by, by a Allen. And, uh, so I I was all proud. You know, I put it on Facebook and, and I got this a Allen prayer cloth and Bill Johnson tried to get it from me and put it in his museum. And, uh, when I got the prayer cloth, I just prayed in faith. I said, God, I'm going to activate this by faith. Whatever blessing or anointing was released over this in 1950, I'm going to step into that. And, uh, I I prayed for a few people in a few different meetings, and I would get out this this, uh, prayer cloth and just pray for people, and all kinds of great stuff would start happening and whatnot. And then I met a man in Louisiana that worked with an evangelist that worked with R.W. Schombach and A.A. Allen. And I knew R.W. Schombach because he would preach for me. I even came down here and preached for R.W. Schombach at one of his camp meetings. And we did some crusades together in Montreal, Canada, and whatnot. What a great general. We did some shows on Daystar and whatnot. <clears throat> well, this man that worked with uh, R.W. Schombach and A.A. Allen back in Louisiana happened to go to a revival and had A.A. A. A. Allen pray over a barrel of oil like, I mean, a barrel. And this man that I know, one of our friends and partners, and he said, would you like some A.A. Allen oil to go with that prayer cloth? And I thought that would be awesome. I mean, I just love oil anyways. But, you know, if you got some A.A. Allen oil that was in revival, I'd love to have a little bottle, you know. And so he brought me a little bottle. And I said, tell me where you got this. And he said, well, there was a tent revival here in Louisiana. And This man was, you know, serving A. Allen, and A. Allen would have these anointing meetings in the tent. They would pray over all the buckets of oil, and and we got this left over. And and so we've been preserving it and keeping it in a safe place. And so I ran out. You know, I got it out, and I prayed for all these people, and it was just awesome. And every time I got it out of the bag, it would have a different fragrance. And, like, cinnamon, uh, vanilla, apples, Dislike uh, different perfumes every time I got it out of the bag it was like wow what is that and I would get really intoxicated it just seemed really ridiculous because it's just a red prayer cloth but every time I got that out of my bag after praying for about 10,000 people and anointing it with oil in revival in Africa and all the other revivals and I've had it for about four years it got really saturated and then I, every time I'd bring it out and I'd just pass it around and people would fall into the power. Like I was in a church in Canada, the whole front row just fell into the power. I just pulled it out of my bag and went, hey, check this out. And everybody fell on the ground. And It's kind of like Elisha's bones, you know. It's like Elisha was dead and gone. He was just bones. But the anointing somehow resided in the bones of Elisha. And You know, if, if, if God could use aprons and prayer cloths and Paul could pray for them. And I've seen that work, you know. And so anyways... <clears throat> I ran out of oil, and I was in Louisiana this uh, last uh, week or so, weren't we? And the guy said, hey, would you like another bottle? <laughs> and I was like, sure, I'd love another bottle of oil. And uh, he brings me out this big bottle of oil, and we start anointing everybody with oil and whatnot. So anyways, I'm going to pray for people tonight later, and we're going to just have some fun. But you can kind of smell it through the bag. Just just go ahead and smell that. Oh, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let it be as the very oil <laughs> and the very anointing of the Spirit. Oh, it's like you're touching a piece of history, you know. They they talk about the old wine, and they talk about the old oil, the new wine, the new oil. And, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, let me tell you this this amazing vision I had. I'm not going to pass it around the room. Somebody will take it. And And plus, the more I just touch it, the drunker I get. So anyways, uh, I had this evangelist, young guy in Canada. Let me tell you a story. And this guy is in Canada. And uh, wow, it's really heavy up here tonight. I just, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time. And when I say a hard time, it's a good time. Because it's like, it's glory wine. That's what it is. It's not just wine. Like, it's glory. It's heavy, weighty, and it's got wine on it. Oh, um, you, know, you know what it is? You know what it is? It's, uh, you know, you know uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then, you know, uh, joy unspeakable, full of glory. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. That's an anointing. What would it be like if you got joy unspeakable, full of glory? I mean, how could you have joy full of glory? That's why I call it glory wine. And that's my prayer tonight is, God, can we have some joy unspeakable full of glory? (laughs) Like, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and we need the oil of gladness. And so if you would just come, Holy Spirit, and release the kind of joy that's got glory in it. Whoa, we want that glory, uh, Shabbat. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know, it was hard for a lot of people to accept, you know, a few years ago that God could make you happy, like that God could show up and touch you, and you would have joy for no reason, because in the natural, you're broke, and your circumstances and situation. I mean, I got around the joy of the Lord, and I thought, I shouldn't be laughing right now, because not, there's nothing to be funny about. I said, God, do you know all the stuff I'm going through right now? And then I would just get around the presence of God and just start laughing, and, laugh, and I couldn't stop. And I thought, God, this is so contrary to my circumstances right now. And he said, that's why it's called supernatural joy. And we got to love supernatural joy, the joy that the Lord brings. And it's his joy, and it's his gladness, and it's supernatural because we can't do it. And it's a sign of the kingdom. You can't have the Holy Spirit without love, joy, peace. I want it all, you know. And, uh. I sometimes get really inebriated when I preach, like intoxicated, and it's it's good. So tonight, we're just going to drink for a minute. Thank you, God. Wow. How? Sha? Ha, <laughs> ha, ha. Whoo. I feel like that dignity, Holy Ghost, lust is happening again. Look, and the presence of God is all over this place right now. I mean, it's tingling in my hands right now, and... I can't explain it all, but you know, they talk about people getting goosebumps, you know, those charismatics and Pentecostals. I definitely am one of those. I get all the goosebumps and all the all the manifestations and it's like God sends angels sometimes to mess around with me when I'm trying to make a transition. You know? I got to have a service God. I got to take an offering at some point. I got to pray for people. I got to, you know, I got to preach. And, and it's like the Lord just messes around. And I think He really enjoys it, you know. Have you ever thought of that? Anyways, uh, people get, you know, all offended sometimes, not here, but other places, when the joy of the Lord shows up, you know. But they, it, it, they have no problem, you know, watching a movie and it's a comedy and laughing. And, you know, laughter's okay. I don't show up at your house and go, stop laughing. You know, we do things intentionally to be funny or to get funny or to, like, have joy, right? But to think that God could ever show up in church. Who's God to show up in church and make people happy? And people go, that's the devil, that joy of the Lord. (laughs) That's got to be the devil, you know. Why would God do that? I've never seen my pastor drunk in the Spirit. I learned a long time ago not to base what God does. You know, our expectation of what God does based on what has or not has not happened to us. And that's kind of our Christianity. It's become what does happen to or does not happen to us. We base our expectancy of what God's going to do based on what we have or have not seen. Remember the story in the Bible of Elisha and Gehazi? and the, the, the Syrian army came to arrest the prophet because he kept getting revelation knowledge about what the king was going to do to Israel. And he would, he would hear the secrets in the king's bedroom and then tell the other king. And they said, we're going to get this prophet Elisha. And they came and they were in a house. It was just Elisha and his servant Gehazi. And the whole Syrian army was outside, besieged the town, the house. And, you know, Gehazi runs to the window and he looks outside and he goes, what are we going to do? I mean, we're in a mess right now. I mean, look what's going on in the natural. There's a whole army out here to get you. And Elisha made this amazing statement. Those who are for us are more than those that are against us. I'm being moved by the real, you know, eternal realm. I see something that you don't see. And by the way, just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not always there. That's kind of the whole point of the story is just because Gehazi never saw what Elisha saw doesn't mean that it wasn't there. And I told my pastor one time, because I was having a lot of manifestations of revival and open heavens and all these dreams and visions and supernatural experiences and angelic visitations. And it was a struggle for about seven years for my pastor to really embrace, hey, this is real. Because he couldn't get over the fact that for 20 years he had pastored and never seen an angel. So why why was I having so many angels I mean in 3 months almost every day something supernatural would happen and I'd tell my pastor about it I'd get on the telephone and tell him you're not going to believe what happened to me today And you know his his first reaction was to always be careful You know, the devil is an angel of light and deception, and it can't be about manifestations. We walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. And he was really trying to be a good pastor, and he really did believe in the supernatural and healing. But he was sure struggling that God would visit me so intimately when in the natural he thought, you know, this doesn't make sense. I mean, why Todd Bentley? I just, you know, I mean, all these years that I've served God, and I've never had a vision. I've never had a visitation from a heavenly being. And so that story is kind of what the Lord gave me when I thought, well, Elisha didn't see it, but just because he didn't see it doesn't mean that it wasn't there. Because when Elisha prayed, "Open the eyes of my servant, um, what did he see? He saw the angels and the horses and the chariots. And I thought, how many times in our circumstances and situations are we just plain blinded to what's really happening? I mean, to think that you could be in this room in worship for an hour and there's not angels here? I mean, we just got to change the way we think because if somebody was to say, hey, I see an angel, we would either get the response of, yeah, hey, God, I want to see an angel, or we would get oh, this skeptical, uh, I don't see any angels in the room. I don't even feel any angels in the room. You know, I mean, are you sure there's angels in the room? You, I mean, if you really begin to think about it spiritually, It would kind of be ridiculous to think there wouldn't be angels in the room. And I started to think that way. And so I started looking for things with expectation. It's kind of ridiculous to think we could be in the presence of God and people not get healed. People not get set free. People not get delivered. People not encounter God. I mean, we come to church to encounter God and get in the presence and worship, and then the presence shows up. We don't know what to do with it. And I've just learned to just let it, let the presence do whatever the presence wants to do. I just want to have some presence. Oh, God, thank you for presence right now. Manifest. Yay. ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha 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 Joy unspeakable, full of glory. That's what I want tonight. Unspeakable. Oh man, I get so ha 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 Whoo! Wow. Thank you, Lord. ha 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 ha! And and you know it's not irreverent. You know why it's not irreverent and out of order? Because we're all doing it. I'm not doing something else, <laughs> and you're distracting me. <laughs> I'm leading the service, and it's happening to me, so this is what we're doing right now. I mean I've had out of order meetings, and by the way that's not that's not that's not a bad thing. Whose order is it anyways? You know <clears throat> somebody said, Hey, you know." Pastor, and I'm not even a pastor, but they call me pastor, you know. They said, hey, my pastor, my church isn't like this on Sunday. And and I said, well, I'm sure I'd get blessed at your church on Sunday too. I mean, Really? But, um, yeah, this is the way it is for me. (laughs) We, We can't run around in Christianity and base what we expect God does on what we read in a book or what we see on TV or what does or does not happen in our services because then all of a sudden something becomes not God just because it doesn't happen in your church. There's a ton of stuff that God does in people's churches that he doesn't do in mine, and I'm like, hey, God come do that in my church. Look at that church is growing and, you know, they're, they're having a move of God and I, and I get Holy Ghost jealous about God breaking out over there. I mean, that's my response. Our response is like, well, this can't be God. We don't have the joy of the Lord and people laughing at our services. So it's not God. And I'm a revivalist. So we, we come to get people alive. <laughs> yeah, we come to get people revived. That's revival. We want to live again. People that are burned out and tired and weary and thirsty need to get refreshed by the river. Think of the river. I love the river. Don't you just love the river? The river shall make glad the city of God. Did you ever read that verse? The river shall make glad. What happens when the river starts flowing? Oh no, people have God, gladness. The river's flowing. And you know where the river is? It's in my belly. <laughs> it's in your belly. There's a river in your belly. And when we just all begin to go, Lord, let the river flow right now. It starts flowing from my belly to your belly, your belly to my belly to your neighbor's belly. Just begin to release the river. There it is. Release it. Just let it flow out of you right now. River, 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 river. Oh, why did did Jesus call it? Why did Jesus call it rivers of living water? He said the move of God, it's a river. It's a river that's not ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, a river in which one could not cross, but a river in which one must swim. That's what the move of God's gonna be. A pure river flowing from the throne of God like crystal, and then it's gonna be a river of fire, and then it's gonna be a river of oil, and then it's gonna be a river of healing. I mean, God makes it a river. And then he says, I'm gonna pour out my spirit. You wanna know how I'm gonna borrow my spirit? Water on dry ground floods. I'm going to pour my spirit out like floods on dry ground. You guys are living in the trickle when God wants us to have the floods. What would you do with a flood of the presence of God? Like, could you pray that? God, give me a flood. Flood me. Yeah, flood me. Oh, wait a minute. The father's in heaven. And he's like, no, no, you can't get touched. No, I won't revive you. No, you can't have my manifest presence. Don't even ask me for it. He gives the Holy Spirit freely to those that ask him. My question is, why do we ever stop? I mean, if I can drink freely, (laughs) freely take of the living water, what does freely look like? I, I, I put something on my Facebook about, you know, taking freely and drinking and don't stop. And one woman was like, I I hope you're not talking about alcohol because my husband died of alcohol, and I don't like drinking. And I said, well, the context was kind of about the Holy Spirit always comes to the thirsty and the hungry, and we're clearly talking about the outpouring of God's Spirit, and that's what we want to drink, amen? And so anyways, why stop? I don't know. We don't know how to drink sometimes, right? So I've learned how to drink by faith. I get healed by faith. I get my money by faith. I get the Holy Ghost by faith. I, we have access by faith. There's nothing you can have in the, in the kingdom unless you get it by faith. And unless God just decides to do something sovereign, which is great too, because God is sovereign and does whatever he pleases. And he has permission to do what he wants because he's God and we're not. But when God's not doing something sovereignly, he's given us an invitation that he will move... Would we move, and we get to move with him, and he moves with us. And so I thought, well, I, if I, I don't have to wait till God decides to save me, I can ask for salvation. You know, I, I can ask for whatever God's promised, you know. So I learned to start asking for uh, uh, wine and joy. I, start, I thought, wow, I, I can get the Holy Spirit and peace and healing and protection and everything else I need. How about, Father, I ask for the Spirit of God. Can I can I ask for the joy unspeakable full of glory right now? I want to just be in the glory that's weighty and heavy. The heavy weighty glory. They call it the Kabod glory. Can I have that? No. Well Well Moses got it. And and they got some pretty good glory for a group of people that were only permitted to go beyond the veil once a year. I mean they they saw a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And we're in the new covenant. I thought, hey, God, where's my pillar of cloud? Where's my pillar of fire? I mean, I'm beyond the veil now. So I, I want to stand next to the Ark of the Covenant. What would that really be like if God just gave you his glory? Like here, here's the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, by the way, you're a temple, and I'm inside of you now. Christ is dwelling in us. <laughs> That's a pretty awesome revelation, isn't it? This is how long it should take to get into the presence of God. Ready? Amen. <laughs> really? How, how many of you know how to enter in yeah. to your secret place? Okay, just go ahead and go there. Go. Go. <laughs> go. Just be conscious of God, how, whatever you do to get in. There it is. What it is. There it is. Let the anointing spring up inside of you right now. Woo, wow. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Yeah, thank you for that. Ha <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and by the way, I think every meeting that we do is a little different, isn't it? It's never the same. And so I'm not always like this. I pray that I could be. Pray that I would be because it's easier to preach this way. Yeah, nobody's gonna remember what you say anyways, but they're sure gonna remember they got touched. They're gonna remember they got healed. They're gonna remember the prophetic word. They're gonna remember the impartation. Oh. <laughs> the funniest thing, and I, I can't remember who it was now, but it had to be somebody. I was in the what is <laughs> I was in that room last night, the back room. They they have a room. Oh, there she is. Oh, there she is, and I'm sitting back there with a few different people, and all of a sudden the door opens, and they carry in this this lovely lady here. They carry her in literally like and somebody in the room was like, "Mom, Mom," and they carried Mom in and laid her on the couch and and then I watched them carry Mom out, like carry her, and have to lay her in the back seat of the car and I said. When they're carrying people out of the church, that's a good meeting. And then I said, does mom act like this? You know, and the son said, never has mom been like this. I mean, mom was absolutely smashed. Didn't have one drink, but wow, that Holy Ghost. And sometimes I see the anointing show up like that. Oh, and I get so jealous. Bam. Because I'm like, God, I remember when you had to carry me out of church, God. I want to get carried out of church again. Oh, 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 oh. I, I, I want to I have an, an encounter with you. Where I'm so changed that after I get prayer, the presence of God is so overwhelming that I have to get carried to the car. That would be a good meeting. Pray that prayer. Most of us are too dignified. We want God our way. It's not McDonald's or Burger King. We don't get God our way. But when we let God show up his way, and some people don't have manifestation, by the way. I mean, some of my best friends that preach, and they just don't have manifestations. I've never seen Rick Joyner have a manifestation. I never saw Bill Johnson have a manifestation. I never saw Randy Clark have a manifestation. But Heidi Baker, I'm sorry, I mean, she just kind of lies on the floor and goes, oh, and it's awesome. And everybody's like, yeah, and they all lay on the floor with her. I brought her to Canada like 10 times, never heard a sermon once. (laughs) But wow, the presence of God, and then it's like, I want to go to Africa and preach to the Muslims and lay in the dirt. I mean, it's a sign and a wonder. And, you know, I think God does that sometimes. I mean, just to offend people. I really do. Just to offend the mind, reveal the heart. I mean, it really does. Because I was like, you know, God, I could have been like a Rick Joyner or a Bill Johnson and been a little bit more stoic and conservative. But yet, they're preaching in all the revival places and absolute pandemoniums happening all around them. And it's like, yay, God, do some more. But they themselves. I mean, the only time I ever saw Rick, I mean, that's a good meeting if his toes move. I mean, if he's tapping <laughs> his toes, you its it's awesome. And you know what? I said, hey, if that's the way that it is with you, great. And he said, well, hey, if, if that's the way that it is with you, great. Yeah. What if you are one of those real sensitive people to the presence of God, like this lady over here, and you got to get carried out of the meeting? Is that okay? I mean, I mean hey. <sighs> wow. So I just mess it around and trying to make a transition here tonight. Find out where we're going to land because I know we're going to pray for people and pray for miracles and somehow God's going to heal people. Wow. <laughs> somehow. I wonder how God's going to heal people. He's God. ha, <laughs> Dallas is a wild city. It's got to be those Cowboys. Dare I say I don't like football. I just felt like I lost half the room. My wife knows when I get really full because my, my, my eyes will just start leaking, and I'm not crying. Yeah, I'm not crying. It's just joy. And she, my wife will say to me, I saw you crying. I, I'm not crying. I mean, tears doesn't mean you're crying because men don't cry. I leak. I just leak out of my eyes. Yeah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, fill everybody else up. Bam. Fill all your people up tonight with your glory wine. Wow. Wow, let's ask God a question. Well, or not a question. I'm going to ask him for something right now. Ready? I was telling you a story, wasn't I, about this prayer cloth? this 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 young man he was like sixteen years old, went into this uh vision in a meeting I was doing sixteen years old he goes into a vision and he goes to a a house a father's house, and in the father's house he goes into a vineyard, a wine vineyard, and it was the father's vineyard and he thought. I don't even drink wine, and I'm in heaven, and God's taking me into a vineyard. I don't like wine. I'm too young to drink wine, and he's in this vineyard, and he sees all these bottles of wine, and whether you're a wine drinker or not, that's neither here or there. I'm talking about the new wine, and it's in the new wine skin, but if you did drink wine, you might be familiar with you know, the older vintages and the different types of wine that they have, and you might appreciate wine. Anyways, he's in this vineyard, and he he starts to notice, man, some of these bottles of wine here, they go all the way back to Pentecost. He's like, there's a 2,000-year-old bottle of the wine that Peter and John and the 120 drank the wine that God poured out on the day of Pentecost, he said, you still got some of this stuff in heaven? (laughs) Then he began to realize that every reformation, every awakening, every revival, the wine that Martin Luther drank, uh, Evan Roberts, uh, all these great men and women that God used to shake nations, he realized uh, that their time, that they had movements, God would pour out wine. On a different generation, or even different denominations, and he begun to see all these different bottles from every decade. It was like every era, every man and woman that God used. 1950 wine, Azusa Street wine, the first and second Great Awakening wine, uh, all the reformers, the Pentecost, and uh, the voice of healing, Latter Rain. He said all these wines were in heaven. And and then, and then he said, God. I could just drink right now the wine that William Branham drank. I could drink right now the wine they drank, you know, the Azusa Street. I could drink the wine that they drank on the day of Pentecost, you know, because really God has some in heaven when you think about it today. But then he realized in the vineyard there was another area of the vineyard that had some bottles that he had never seen before. And when he went to the bottles, he said, there's wine here that the church isn't going to drink until 2020. He saw a bottle of 2020 wine, 2030 wine, 2040 wine, 2050 wine. He said, God, I can drink today in 2014. Of course, this was like 1999. He said, I can drink today in 1999, the wine the church will drink in 2020. And the Lord said, that's called tasting of the powers of the age to come. He goes, you want to be a forerunner? You can taste today. He goes, in fact, what would happen if in your ministry you started serving the wine the church hadn't drank yet? If you started to have show up in your meetings. Something the church wouldn't taste for another 10 years. I had, you know, in my ministry back in 1999, 2000, I had God doing stuff that the rest of the church wouldn't be ready for God to do until 2008, 2009. I said, God, you're doing things. It was like I was a forerunner and every move of God, they're a forerunner in their time they're writing stuff that nobody else is writing. They're preaching stuff that nobody else is preaching. They're singing songs and doing things creatively that nobody else is doing. And they're ahead of their time. It's like they're drinking that wine. And um, quite often I'll start ministering and I'll think, God, can you give us some of that wine tonight? Like, can we just have a taste, a drop of what Peter tasted on the day of Pentecost? Can the Holy Spirit give me a drop tonight? I mean, really, I could drink that wine. And, and, Lord, can I ask tonight if I could just taste, what was Jack Coe and A. Allen and Oral Roberts and, you know, some of those early healing revival? what was the wine that they tasted? Can I have a little drop of that? Hallelujah. And if I could taste a little of that 2020 wine. And so we're going to do that tonight. Amen. We're just going to give a moment here for drinking, just for drinking, for receiving. God's going to pour it out because we're going to ask him to. And then we're going to receive by faith and taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, and one of my favorite scriptures was, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. So here's what I want you to simply do. Put your head back and open your mouth wide. Just drink. There it is. Drink, 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 drink. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, ha 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 ha! Thank you, Father, for the wine. <laughs> thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, for the wine. Ah! Shaba bam bam bam, Ba-ba-ba-bam, bam 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 bam. Ha 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 ha! Ha! <laughs> thank you for the wine. Thank him for it. Say, Jesus, thank you for the wine. Oh, thank you for the wine. Oh, whoa, whoa! Glory, glory, wine. Why? And when you get it, when you get it, it's a great healing for depression and hopelessness and despair and heaviness, and grief, and sorrow, you know, and it's it's really a remedy, amen? So, Lord, we thank you for the healing tonight, and for those that are under a spirit that makes them heavy, depression, hopelessness, despair, grief, sorrow, we command that demonic power, break off and go in Jesus' name. father is good the father is so good and his presence is rich sweet wonderful (laughs) I mean I wonder how thick we could get it have you ever been in church and thought hey God how much can we have I've been in meetings where the glory of God was so manifest that people across the street were talking about the power of God. People walking through the parking lot would get healed. People lining up outside the door at 10 o'clock in the morning to get into the 7 o'clock service would talk about the power of God in the parking lot. I've had meetings where the glory of God was so manifest people would pull over two miles from the venue on the side of the road. People would come into uh, the meetings on airplane. They'd land in the airports and talk about how the presence of God was overwhelming, that they would get healed the moment the airplane would touch down on the ground. I mean, we've got to believe God for more. I mean, how much can we have? as a church, I mean, until the drug addicts and the people that are lost and dying and the prostitutes and people are just drawn into our buildings. They don't even know why, but it's the presence of God. I want to carry that. People are just drawn to the presence of God. We want to be drawn to the presence of God. And I just could never stop asking, you know, somebody said, why do you ask for his presence when he said, lo, I am with you always? And I said, well, I know that he's with me always, and I have that confidence by faith. But when I'm asking for his presence, I'm I'm, I'm talking about the with you. You have the presence in you, but the with you and upon you. That can just keep coming. The ever-increasing knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I mean, Moses could not even stand by reason of the cloud. The cloud was so overwhelming. The Bible says that the priests could no longer continue their duties. I mean, if you're still able to do stuff, the glory can get stronger. The, I mean, could you imagine? And then it said they couldn't even enter the temple because of the glory cloud. We're still able to get into our churches. I mean, imagine we are all locked outside, we can't get in, the glory. People are crawling in. I gotta get in there. Ha ha. Ha ha. Oh, come on, give him a mighty shout. Jesus. 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 You know, you know, it's amazing when there's this many people that are calling on the name of Jesus. There's no room for any devils to get in here and deceive you. People are like, what if this is like a deceiving demon right now? We're all like, Jesus! We ask for the Holy Spirit, and the Father and His ability to keep you isn't greater than the devil's ability to deceive you. You can't go, Father, give me the Holy Ghost. No, no, sorry, I'm not strong enough. That old demon's going to sneak in there and get you. We're all calling on the name of Jesus, and they're like, that's not Jesus. (laughs) Jesus! Whoa! Jesus! Jesus! King of glory! King of glory, come in! King of glory! Jesus! (laughs) Jesus <laughs> I'm sure there's gonna be there's gonna be rooms in heaven where people are just gonna be laughing. I I I know there's gonna be places in heaven where it's just gonna be joy, like bliss, bliss everywhere. Everyone in heaven is smiling. Think about it. Everyone in heaven is happy. There's no sorrow, no sickness, no disease, no death, no pain. I mean, people are just, it's one big smile. I'm in heaven. (laughs) I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven on earth. If I could get up heaven in earth manifesting, I might be able to take care of some of that other stuff. I don't have room for all that other stuff because I'm too full of God. <laughs> if I could just get full of God, maybe some of that other stuff, there's no room for any other possession because I'm possessed with the Holy Ghost. We have too much room for anxiety, fear, worry, the cares of this world, choking the word, making it unfruitful. We just have way too much time for sickness, for disease, because we don't have enough God residing and abiding. Most of our conditions are emotionally linked anyways. Most conditions, we can't get people healed in their bodies because we got to get them healed in their souls. We got a broken spirit. We can't avoid pain. We can't avoid some of these things that happen. We live in a fallen world, but we could conquer and we can overcome and we can manifest and release kingdom. We can manifest and release Holy Spirit. We could be light in the midst of darkness, glory rising. Now it's holy in the room. Because he's holy. Holy. Holy glory. Suddenly, when the glory shows up, it'll show up as wine and laughter, and then there'll be a shift, and then the fear of the Lord will come. That's why I call it wave after wave. The anointing is like waves all your waves and billows, if you, if you pay attention enough to how God moves in a meeting, you might sense two, three, four, five, six different anointings. And right now, we just, you know, God didn't leave the building. It just came different. I just felt a shift, and there's a fear of the Lord. Wow, he's holy, and it's holy, holy glory, weighty, heavy, and we love you, Lord. We thank you that we're carriers. We're carriers of your presence. Let me, let me tell you how much I appreciate being able to do this tonight. I've been in a few other church meetings in the last two weeks that were really good. But I could preach, and there's a lot of things that I could do, and God was in it. But I love it when I get into a meeting where it's just so open you could just minister presence. Sometimes I go into churches, I can't minister presence. All I can do is bring the word. Worship, take the offering, preach a great word, pray for the sick. That's great. But sometimes I love those glory meetings where it just the glory of God is just free to move. And right now, it's just free to move in the room. It's just in the atmosphere, and you can get a hold of it. He won't deny you if you ask him to fill you. And you could never ask him enough. I mean, I asked the Lord one time. I said, well, how much can I ask you to fill me? He said, well, you can ask me to fill you again and again and then ask me again. Fill me again, Holy Spirit. Are you sure? Because I'm full already. Fill me again. I mean, until I'm dead, until I'm transformed. Keep coming, Holy Spirit. Why stop? I need you. And we do need him. Dallas needs his presence. America needs his presence. We need his presence. You need his presence. And it's going to increase. The glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. There's going to be a day where the whole earth, whether they like it or not, is going to have the knowledge of the glory of God. They're going to be aware of the fact that, hey, this is glory. The increase of his government will be no end. His government somehow ever increases. His kingdom somehow ever increases. It starts as a mustard seed, and when it's growing, it's an ever-increasing kingdom, ever-expanding kingdom. And, and as much as we might have um, fullness, yet it's expanding. It's working the rule and the reign of God. is working in and through our lives and circumstances. There's still things that need to be put under his feet, but yet it's all under his feet. It's the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and yet it's the kingdom of God coming. And I'm, I'm totally about kingdom now, and I'm all about the kingdom coming. I'm all about the increase of His government. I'm all about the ever-growing, expanding kingdom of God as we learn to release and be carriers of His presence and stewards of His fullness. Because really we have it. But yet our shadows don't heal the sick yet like Peter. And I believe it can. And I just, I just live that kind of a Christianity where I challenge myself based on every encounter and experience in the Bible. I want to have it once. I just told God, I said, if Elijah was a man like us with a nature like ours and you could do what you did with Elijah, I mean, hey, God, what about me? I just begun to, this is a personal thing. It, friendship with God, intimacy with God. I could talk to God this way. And and I said, Lord, if it's in the Bible, I'd sure like to have it happen at least one time to me. If if these guys got to have angels show up as messengers, I'd sure like to have the angels show up as messengers. I'm not asking anything outside of the Bible. You know, I just want to experience uh, everything that heaven has to offer me. And I don't want to have to wait 20 years or 30 years, which is kind of a short time, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Some of us are a lot closer than others. And when we get to heaven, what do you expect to see? How normal will it be when you get to heaven, literally? You're in heaven now. How normal will it be to see angels? How normal will it be to meet people that have gone on to heaven before you, like the cloud of witnesses? I mean, how normal would it be to talk about the lights, colors, and sounds of heaven? I mean, when we're there, do we expect to see him and the throne and all the other stuff that we expect to be in heaven? But if the kingdom of heaven is within you, and we have access to come to the throne, then how much of heaven, I mean, the capacity that I have to receive and manifest heaven now, why we're still here? Because we really do need a lot of that stuff here. Because I don't need healing in heaven. I don't need miracles in heaven. A lot of the gifts of the Spirit, we don't need those in heaven. Because it's just a whole different place when you enter into the fullness. And really, from what I understand about Scripture, there's yet anything that I've been able to see in Scripture that says fullness isn't available now. And so you just got to begin to... Challenge yourself with what fullness looks like for you. I remember having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with Rick Joyner, and we were talking about this very fact. He said, I get so many, you know, letters, people just more hate mail because I shared a dream. I woke up, I had a dream where I spent eight hours in heaven. And how people responded to me talking about being in heaven for eight hours, they got more upset about that than all the messages I put out about terrorism and ISIS and pray for America, and I got a lot of stuff about that. But the response to my video talking about I was in heaven for eight hours in a dream, that's where everybody went nuts. And I thought, why did they go nuts? Why should that not be normal? I mean, the idea that, oh, wow, you actually went home for a little bit. I mean, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, and then he started. We started talking about heavenly experiences and visitations we've had over the years, and throne room encounters, and and for us, it was just so normal to have a two hour conversation talking about angels, the throne room, open heavens, and visit. And for everybody else in the church, they would be like, "Oh, be careful now!" Yet, yeah, 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 wow, whoa, that's talking to dead people. That's necromancy. God forbid that anything in the Bible would happen to anybody today. That's really what we don't like. We're okay that Elijah and Moses showed up, you know, and talked to Jesus. But if Elijah and Moses showed up and talked to Todd Bentley, we're, no! (laughs) Elijah and Moses showed up and talked to Todd Bentley. Never! I mean, I haven't had Elijah and Moses show up. I'm just saying. I'm pushing the envelope a little bit. And you tell me why. And we're like, well, you know, our we, well, yeah, there was a reason for that, you know. We got to think of the prophetic reasoning. I mean, just intimacy with God should be enough to enjoy what God has for us. So, Father, what are the angels doing? What's happening in heaven right now? What's on the mind of God? What's in your heart? What are you speaking to the city? What are you saying to the nation? And then, if you get any answer back, and you tell another Christian, you oh, had a burning bush, and an angel came and told you that. And of course, if the message doesn't line up with the Word of God and the character and nature of God, then we question whether it was a real visitation, because of course there's counterfeit. But how do we judge and test? We have the Word of God. And we have accountability with each other. We have the nature of God. We have what, what is the tree bearing? What's the fruit? I mean, there's all kinds of things we need to look at. Every time I've ever talked about an angel that came, I can point to something mighty that happened. I mean, one of the times I said an angel came in Lakeland, Florida, a whole worldwide revival broke out. I mean, I might question people seeing angels if something doesn't happen. I mean, if you're seeing an angel, there might be revival. I mean, there might be somebody raised from the dead. There's usually something great that comes out of visitations. You know, and I know that, you know, quite often Bob Jones and all the encounters that Bob Jones would have with the Lord over the years, I bore witness to over 15 years of the greatest miracles happening, um, whole movements being touched in birth because of visions and experiences that Bob had. They weren't just seeing angels every day. It was, there would be no IHOP, there would be no Reading, there would be no Morning Star, and there would be a whole lot of not what we have today in the prophetic if it wasn't for Bob Jones. And people fail to realize, well, you know, we get so caught up sometimes in the revelation, we forget to go. But look what it brought. God wants to trust us with more. I want you to trust me with more. Shall I hide from Abraham, my friend, what I'm doing? That was the question. God was like, hey, these angels are going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but maybe because we're friends with Abraham, just maybe we should tell him what we're doing. That God would even consider to let you know before he was going to do something in America. I mean, I just, oh, my my heart, my heart just went, if God could speak to Moses face to face as a friend speaks to a friend. I remember hearing the most amazing encounter years ago. Another young man, couldn't have been 16 years old, had the most amazing vision where he walked into a valley. And when he was in the valley, he saw mantles. And there were mantles on the ground. And he said, oh, the mantle of Martin Luther, of Catherine Coleman, John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, every great man and woman that God used, Elisha, Elijah, Peter, he saw all these anointings, all these mantles in this vision in a valley. And, you know, he heard a voice say, pick a mantle, any mantle. It was like this invitation. You want a double portion? You want to have the gift of faith? You want to have a gift of ministry, you you know, miracles, healing? You want to have the greatest prophetic gift, uh, reformation? Any anointing you could imagine was available. Pick a mantle, any mantle. And as he was walking through the field of mantles, he thought, well, Lord, I want something, but I want to be careful. What do I really want? And then he saw a mantle, and he thought, look at this one last mantle. It was glowing brighter than all the other mantles. And he thought, surely this must be the greatest power, the greatest revival, the greatest miracle. And he looked down, and he said, a voice. He heard a voice say, nobody wants this one. And he said, it was the mantle of Enoch. He walked with God, and he was not. He said, if you would choose to walk with God above all these other power gifts and miracles and healing and revival, just to walk with God, you would have all those things too. And that's when he realized that not only was there a mantle of Enoch, there was a mantle of Adam, that we could walk with God like Adam, that the garden has been restored. The garden has been restored. That there can be people today that walk with God like Adam, Abraham, Moses, and Enoch. And that's kind of been my life. I've I've made that a pursuit, an endless pursuit. To know Him, to know Him, and the power of His resurrection. And to be conformed to his image and death. That's been my prayer. That's been my pursuit. Help us tonight, Lord. Because you're going to raise a people up in this nation. Watchmen, prophets. You're going to raise them up in America. that are going to be able to share the heart of God. We're going to need it. Some of these days that we're going to move into... We're going to need to have clear voices. And you're going to need to have a clear intimacy and friendship with God that can sustain you through the greatest battles. And there is no limit. That was the, it's, it's not natural to not have an appetite for more. We've got to have an appetite for more our expectancy for more. You know, I asked the Lord, I had a season in my life where heaven was so open, God was coming. It was a sovereign thing. I, I didn't make it happen. God just chose to visit me. And it lasted for about three months, about four to 12 hours a day. And every day I would have visions or I would have dreams in the night, and I would have angelic encounters, and it was the first time I ever knew that I could, in the Spirit, go into the heavens. I mean, I had never gone into the heavens. I'd never had a third heaven-type experience. I didn't even know how to call it anything because I didn't know what it was. But I, I mean, I was having experiences where I was caught up to heaven. I was caught up to the third heaven. I was caught up in paradise. I, didn't know how to, I said, God, nobody's going to believe this is happening to me for one. I'm 22 years old, and I had no language. I couldn't call, call it anything back then because I didn't know Rick Joyner. I didn't know any John Paul Jacksons. I didn't know any prophets or Bob Jones. I, I was just this young guy that had a glory liquid honey cloud come into my apartment. I mean, a real glory liquid honey cloud. The presence of God like honey come into my apartment. And how glorious it was at moments tonight, it stayed like that for 90 days. I had total strangers come to my house and knock on the door and ask if they could come into the carpet, just lay on the carpet. Total strangers at my door saying, can we come in and just lay on your floor? And I did at times have 20 strangers in my house all laying on the floor. Because the presence of God was so real. I was having a sovereign visitation in Canada. That's what gave birth to the ministry that I have today for the last 15 years was that visitation. But during that time, I said to the Lord, forgive me. I mean, God, I shouldn't, I can't have this many visions. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, it's just me speaking. Visions are normal language for heaven to speak. Dreams and visions our normal language for heaven to speak. So what you're asking me is to not speak with you. And I said, yeah, but my pastor's only had one vision in 10 years. And he was sure to tell me about all the visions he didn't have and all the false visions that people did have and all the reasons I shouldn't be having visions. And I thought, maybe I shouldn't be having visions. And they would just keep coming. I couldn't stop them. And they would happen every day. And I wanted to stop them because I was scared. I I, I said, God, I don't know if I'm a prophet. I don't don't understand what's happening. I don't know why. Um, I'm a sovereign vessel. You're doing these things. I can't deny that they're happening. They're producing some awesome fruit. Um, I can't stop praying. I'm praying 4 to 12 hours a day. I'm reading the Bible in one sitting the whole New Testament. So, I mean, I'm hungry for God. All I want to do is Jesus. I don't want to do anything but Jesus. Not that TV or movies or music or any of these things are wrong. But during that season of my life, I couldn't do anything but Jesus. I prayed from the moment I got out of bed to the moment I went to bed. So, I said, God, how could it be wrong? Just try to get people to tarry an hour in church and I can't stop. It was so sovereign. I thought, I'm going to have to go and maybe get examined. I'm going to be one of those Jesus freaks, and I'm going to wake up in a hospital, and I'm not going to realize that I lost grips with normality because heaven became so normal. I was concerned that I, w- I wasn't able to pay my bills. My, my wife, your mom, had to pay all the bills and do everything at that time because I couldn't even drive a vehicle. I didn't think I was ever going to come out of this visitation. And I thought, Lord, this isn't normal. I mean, you got to have life. I mean, you know, I believe in life. Pay your bills. Go to work. Raise your kids. But for this one season of my life, Jesus was, he visited me two times during that three months. Jesus himself. Two times. And I struggled as much as any other believer. Why would Jesus come to Todd Bentley? I don't know. You're going to have to ask him. And I said, Lord, I can't be having this many visions. you know what he said to me? He said, the outpouring of my spirit. Young men have visions. Old men dream dreams. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That's just a sign of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If people aren't having dreams and visions and sons and daughters aren't prophesying, I need to question whether we're having the outpouring of the Holy Spirit or not. And then I said, well, Lord, how many visions can I have? One every 10 years like my pastor? He said, whoever said you couldn't have visions every day? The Bible never says, thus shall have a vision once a month. And the Bible says, desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire. Now, it should be a given that you want character. Somebody said to me one time, how come you preach gifts and the anointing and the supernatural and you never preach character? And I said, we need the whole counsel of God. That's why we have gifts. My gift is not to preach character. You should have a good pastor in your life. You should have a good church in your life with functioning five-fold ministry. You should be able to get the full counsel of God. I mean, there's men of God I have to go to and sit under to get what they got because I don't have it. It's not my grace. When I start trying to preach and do stuff that I'm not anointed to do, that's when I mess out and burn out, and then I hate church, and I never want to preach another message because I got away from my passion. And I've accepted that my passion isn't everybody else's passion. But that's why we need one another. That's why we need to not forsake the assembly of the saints. I'm a firm believer in being plugged in to a community of other believers that have gifts that can recognize the areas of my life that are lacking that can help me, get me healed, get me fixed, get me restored, get me mature, hold me accountable. But at the same time, never try to get me to be Joel Osteen or to be somebody that I'm not. People are like, how come you don't preach hope? Our pastor's been preaching a series on hope. You need to preach hope. No, I don't. I need to preach what God's given me to preach. And I'm going to go listen to your pastor preach hope because I love hope. I'm going to go get a book on hope because I need hope. God didn't give me an ounce of revelation on hope or teaching on family or teaching on prosperity. Or te- He's given me a gift to, to help the church discover who they are and identify their gift and get moving in their gift in the anointing. That's who I am and it's what I do. And when I, got, when I grabbed a hold of that and I said, yes, God, and I just accepted, you know, and it was Bob Jones that helped me because he said to me one time, he said to me, He said, if I go more than one day and something heavenly isn't communicated to me by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of revelation, which we all possess, which searches the deep things of God. He said, in that Holy Spirit, if I don't get something, I'm concerned. Father, did I sin? Papa, did I sin? What's happening that's breaking the fellowship? Because if we can pray without ceasing, Paul said pray without ceasing. He prayed we'd be filled with the fullness of God. He said if something's breaking the link of fellowship and intimacy, it's never on God's side. It's our guilt, it's our shame, it's our sin, it's our whatever it is. It's never on the Father's side. I mean, when Adam and Eve said the first thing that God did was, quick, get the bloody animal garments and get them covered. That was God's first act. I'm coming into the garden. Let's get some bloody animal linen coats and put it on Adam and Eve. Because I can't accept them like this. And I want to accept them. I wanted to accept them. I never wanted what me and Adam had in the garden to ever stop. So I'm going to provide the sacrifice right here in the garden. And then I'm going to provide the sacrifice in my son. Because I never wanted it to be broken. When it's broken, it's broken because we break it. Lord, open up over your people's spirits tonight. Direct communication fellowship, and intimacy. I just felt like the Lord is going to restore many of you back to that connected abide in the vine. You're abiding in the vine. Whatever's broken your fellowship, whatever's broken your divine hearing, whatever's broken your divine seeing, whatever's separated you from hunger, whatever's separated you from the presence of God, I command that thing to be over you to be broken right now. I mean, whatever the circumstance is, whatever the demonic power, demonic assignment, whatever it is that's come against you, currently working to keep you from the divine fellowship and the divine intimacy you can have with God. I command it to be broken. And what I simply pray for right now is a heaven to be open over you again, that you would feel that open heaven again. You're under that heaven again. Amen. I just feel like the Lord is whatever it is that's in there, demonically, demonic curse, demonic power, demonic assignment, whatever it is that's broken your fellowship, that you can't connect the way you connected with the Father in divine communion, that that thing is being broken and it's being restored because he wants you again. He wants you to walk. He wants you to have the friendship. He wants you to have the intimacy. He wants to have the dreams and the visions. He wants you to have that communication, that revelation. And for many of you, you just didn't know it was yours in fullness, so you had no expectation, so you never looked for it. And even just part of what I'm preaching in the last few moments is just helping your expectation, helping you get a faith grid, a faith grid for the kingdom. Give me a kingdom mindset. You see, I remember when Bob said, This is okay for you to have this every day. That's when I started to have it every day because I accepted it. I accepted this is okay. Dreams and visions and angels are okay. It's okay. When I came into the room tonight and I sat down, I heard the Father say over you that it's okay. That mercy triumphs over judgment. And the one word that I had for you was justice. Justice. And it was going to be his justice and his favor and his goodness breaking through in your life. His jubilee, his vengeance coming in your life. And The Father was rejoicing over you with pleasure. He was rejoicing over you with song. And you were in the place that you needed to be as far as your posture and heart. And that he was going to bring his mercy. He was going to bring his justice in your life in Jesus' name. I came in the room tonight, and I I saw you standing in front of a heavenly ladder. You were just worshiping, and then I saw Jacob's ladder, and the angels of God ascending and descending. And because it was he dreamed, and when he dreamed, he saw the ladder. And that's when I knew God called you to be a dreamer and that even more you're going to have the understanding of dreams and you're going to be a dreamer like Joseph and Daniel and some of those dreams are going to save you, they're going to save people they're going to be key dreams to bring financial breakthrough, financial strategies they're not just going to be dreams for the sake of dreams, they're going to be dreams that are divine warnings, divine messages divine strategic keys that bring breakthrough you're going to have even like angelic visitations in dreams and uh, you're going to wake up and remember I dreamed, I forgot what the dream was but I'm going to remember the message, and you're going to get a lot more messages because I saw that ladder set up before you, and you were ascending that ladder into heavenly revelation. So I pray that Jacob's visitation over you, and you're dwelling in the Bethel, you're dwelling in the house of God right now, and uh, there's an open gate of access for you to heaven, to revelation right now, in Jesus' name. And I saw, I saw an angel I saw an angel come into the room, and I don't have the full understanding, but I did see an angel come into the room, and uh, uh, Tracy, this angel came to you, and he had a scroll in his hand, but I wasn't permitted to read it, and I knew it was a scroll of commissioning. It was like a blueprint for the next season, for the next phase that the foundation of the temple had been laid and now you were ready for the next part of the building and that this angel came. It was like a delivery. You got mail and he walked up to you and gave you a scroll of commissioning and this scroll had everything in it. You were feasting and feeding. Open your mouth wide and eat what I give you. You were eating this heavenly scroll like the scroll that God gave Ezekiel. It was like honey in your mouth but it contained all the blueprints all the resources all all the revelation that you needed to begin the next phase of things that you've seen many years ago in dreams. And you know a lot about building, and uh, God's got you in that too. And you're going to have a gift of wisdom like Moses. You're going to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. You're going to be a divine strategist. You're going to be a divine, like somebody that can analyze really quickly, charts, numbers. You're just going to have an eye to see things that as you've never seen them before and call forth those things that be not as though they were. And God really made your hands strong. He made your body strong. Your spirit was like 15 years younger than what it is now. The whole Caleb anointing. That at 80 you were as strong as you were at 40. But really you were only just beginning to step into the strength of God. You really only were stepping into the first phase. And uh, God was going to bring an acceleration in your life and in your ministry. You're going to see a breakthrough in your whole family. There were some relationships that were going to get healed and restored. God was going to really. begin to turn what the enemy meant for evil for good and the warfare it was like god was saying the warfare was over and now you are moving into a new season of divine favor and divine increase so lord release it to them now release it to the storehouse now in jesus name um I did write down a few things Uh, when I came into the room. I I saw a couple of miracles happen or or people I prayed for for healing. And I do want to pray for as many people as want prayer tonight. We are going to do that. I feel like we're just going to impart. You know, you can only really give what you have. As you freely receive, freely give. So I want to pray that whatever I can give by the Holy Spirit, that you could just have it. As I freely receive, I freely give. And so... The Holy Spirit's going to come on people in new ways today. He's going to respond to your hunger. And it's like you're just going to go in and grab as much stuff as you can get. Amen. That's the way the Father is. And uh, impartation works that way. And that's why I love impartation. And it might be healing. It might be revelation. You might just start moving in words of knowledge or dreams or visions. You might have an extended season of visitation. Um, It could just be more presence of God. You could just catch that revival spirit, and all of a sudden God begins to use you to spark revivals. In fact, I feel like there's um, all kinds of people in this room. I see messengers of fire. Angels are messengers of fire, and they're coming to release the fiery coals of revival so that people in this room, you're called to be a fire starter, and God wants to have you ignite stuff, even in different nations. I see things happening in Europe. I see things happening in Switzerland. I see things happening in different countries. I see um, different things happening in Hong Kong, in Asia. These messengers of fire are coming tonight to release the fiery spirit of revival for those that are called not just to be preachers and teachers. It's a unique ministry. Revivalists are a unique ministry, and uh, you may be in a city for 30 days before you break it open. You may be in a city for 14 days before you break it open, and I feel like there's a handful of true ministries in this room that function that way already, but God's going to cause the power of evangelism, the miracle signs and wonders to increase on you. The spirit and the fiery fiery spirit, the burning spirit of evangelism is going to come on different people. Some of you are going to have revivals where you spend a whole month like in Africa or Singapore. I see Singapore, and you're going to be there for like 30 days. It's not just you're going to have a service or a conference or a seminar. God's going to use you to turn cities upside down, and uh, I just feel that it's in the room. So Lord, release the messengers of fire. Release the fiery spirit, the burning of evangelism. Let that mantle for revival, power evangelism, uh, miracle signs and wonders mantle begin to come upon men. And women, I pray that are called to step into a place where you use them as they're going to break things open. They're breakers. There's a breaker anointing on them right now. They're breaking things open in Russia, breaking things open in Russia. Mighty revival happening in Russia, tsunami of God's power in Russia, in Switzerland. I see Singapore, uh, places in Africa, uh, Hong Kong, particularly right now, places in Europe. And God, for those that are called to ignite furnaces, And fire in in America, release that too. And Canada, sending people into the north in Canada, burning with the fire of God. It's just coming on you in a fresh way now, in Jesus' name.